If you haven't been around for a few weeks, we are carrying on in our preaching series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And we're just taking a number of weeks to um, really look under the iceberg of our life to engage with our emotional health, our emotional well-being, that whole world that sometimes some of us don't necessarily like to engage with because it's um, painful, hard, challenging, um, and yet God invites us to go there and to actually find life and health and well-being and God himself in that area of life, and that we as Followers of Jesus need to make sure and ensure that our emotional life, our well-being of our person is something that we take care of. Um, I just, as we've journeyed over these few weeks so far, I just want to recognize that for some, maybe not everybody, but for some, some of the things, even just talking about emotional health um, is a challenge. And it can be kind of like you clench up slightly, just slightly muscles clench when it starts to talk about those things. I don't want to go there. I don't want to talk about it. Um, and I'm afraid today it gets no easier. <laughs> so this isn't, I don't, I, don't, I don't want this morning to be heavy, um, but we are going to be looking at embracing grief and loss um, because that is a very real part of life. And it's an area that many of us do so poorly. And I'm not pointing the finger, I'm just pointing the finger at myself with this. That when it comes to grief and loss, we like to hide from it. We don't want to go there. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that some of the things we're talking about in this series are challenging. They're meant to be, that's the point. And we need to go there. And... Yes, we need a theological framework of all these things we're talking about, absolutely. But also we need to encounter God in those places. That's the key thing. That we encounter God's love and his truth and his kindness and his goodness to us. And so as we go in this morning, I, I, I recognize that for some of us it might be, oh, not grief and loss. I really don't even want to have to think about that. And I just want to invite us as we start to be in the presence of God as we are and just welcome his spirit to come and do a work that only God can do through his word, through his spirit at work within us to bring us into life and freedom. Yes, this morning, but as we move forward, that we would be a people who choose to walk towards grief and loss and embrace it. So I'm going to pray for a moment um, and then we'll get going. Heavenly Father, we want to start by just acknowledging your sovereignty, your holiness, your goodness, your faithfulness. Your presence in our life. And we thank you, God, that we can, this morning, as we've done through the worship so far, we recognize that we, we can recognize before you that we are your children and you are our Father. And that that reality in life changes absolutely everything for us. 
that we get to call you Father. That Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, is also our elder brother. That, that, that your spirit, O oh God, has been poured out upon us and is, has made us made our very person a dwelling place. That as we gather like this, we are a living temple, a dwelling place of your spirit. And so with the reality of who you are and the truth of who you are, we want to look into grief and loss this morning and how in our hearts and our seat of emotion we respond and we say, God, lead us by streams of living water. Bring life into dead places, life into hard places. Awaken us to your plans and purposes in every area of our lives, we pray. So come, Holy Spirit, this morning. May we just rest in your goodness. Thank you, you don't lead us into fear, but into freedom. We pray that would be true this morning. Lord, we pray this for your glory and we pray it for our joy in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So the whole point of this preaching series is not simply that we learn some things about emotional well-being. This is not meant to be a seminar. This is not just meant to be a class, an instruction in terms of here's how you do the steps. It's not just a step program. It's a call to us as a church family. It's a call to us individually to say, Jesus, I want to acknowledge you in the deep places of my life. And I want to be real about that. And I recognize, as I said, that this is not easy topic for some of us. This will be something that just touches a nerve, but I really believe that through this season, God is wanting to lead us into freedom and healing, to trust him as the good shepherd. And so for different ones over these weeks, it's going to be different things that touches a nerve for us. But I just want to ask that we would sit, when, when that nerve gets pressed, that we would just sit and be present with God in that moment and not just rush on, not just hide from it as we so often do, but say, Jesus, what do you want to do in my life? really believe that part of us learning to follow God in renewal is allowing him to bring transformation in the deep places of life. So I recognize that many of us experience loss and grief slowly over the duration of our life in all kinds of ways, that it's um, just something that is part of life. It's not meant to have been, but it is. And that for different ones of us, we'll experience uh, a slow sense of loss, i.e., and I, I, I just be real, I'm starting to feel 42 slowly. My, my back's not great at the minute, and, you know, and um, we lose our youthfulness. We have the loss of youthfulness. We have the loss of dreams. We experience loss in transitions in life. As we grow older, our strength decreases, and we experience loss in different kinds of ways. And then many of us also, and I know you know this stuff, but many of us also will experience uh, loss in an instant, in a moment, a catastrophic loss. Somebody in our family might die. A friend might commit suicide. Maybe a 
a spouse has an affair. We go through divorce, diagnosed with cancer. We're suddenly unemployed, made redundant. A child might be born with disability. A friend betrays us, experience infertility, miscarriage, broken friendships, mental illness, physical and sexual abuse. And in truth, they are all kinds of losses. And there's many more, I recognize that. And there are some things that are smaller kinds of losses too that we go through and we kind of, we don't compare it to, yes, loss of, to somebody dying in our family necessarily, but there can be small things in life that are just losses that kind of over time stack up. And as we're looking at this dynamic, what I want us to be aware of is this isn't simply um, just an invitation to say, can we all do a bit better in these areas of life? It's this invitation to say, can we be those who follow Jesus, who choose to, with Jesus, look at these areas of life, to go to these places, to navigate through life and loss and grief, grief in the slow moments and in the catastrophic moments with Jesus in his presence. So there's an invitation to us this morning. Because here's the thing, how we respond to these kinds of events in life, it matters. It really does matter. It shapes who we are deeply. It really deeply shapes who we are as people. It shapes our relationship with one another. It shapes our relationship with God. And every family, every culture processes loss and grief differently from one another. Some families see uh, sadness as a sign of weakness. Maybe you grew up in a home where you were told, don't be depressed, get over it. The expectation was that you'll just stuff it down and hide it and repress it. Other families are totally different to that, at the other end of the spectrum, and loss and grief comes, and it's wailing and screaming and shouting. Um, that was not my family, by the way. Uh, my mum and dad are not here. So, I mean, they're alive, but, you know. Um, but we were much more like the first one. Um, and some people, for some people, and I wonder for many of us when it comes to grief and loss, we just freeze in a moment in time. And part of us gets stuck in a moment in time, much like Mrs. Havisham in Great Expectations. Everything freezes. We can't move on. We don't allow other people to move on. I'm aware of um, somebody in this church who um, had a, fa- a death in the family a long time ago, a number of years ago. They had a, a bereavement in their extended family. And, and this family are followers of Jesus. Um, but what happened in their response to that uh, bereavement was that the family ended up not being able to talk about their child. And so this child who died is then never spoken about. And it's almost as if they were teenagers when they died, but it's almost as if this person didn't exist. And I remember when I heard that, just thinking how, how sad that is, that we can get stuck in that kind of moment in time. Because that is not God's plan for us when it comes to grief and loss at all. Culturally, one of the big ways that we deal with loss and grief is through addiction. We numb our pain. It's why Jesus says, don't get drunk on wine, that leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit of God. Jesus is well aware that life has loss and grief that 
kind of gets, um, that hits us all through our life. And he says, the way to deal with it isn't by numbing yourself to it, but it's to be full of the Spirit. That's Jesus speaking right into the heart of this. But we end up watching Netflix series after Netflix series after Netflix series, just losing ourselves in a world where we don't have to think about ourselves and how we're doing. And if that's you this morning, Jesus wants to bring freedom and healing. We keep busy. We run from one activity to another. We increase our work so we don't have to sit and think and be. And then we begin to just pacify the pain with pornography. We overeat. We drink. Addiction for us culturally, but I don't think just our culture. I think it's often the pattern of humanity, just those habits and the places we go in the hard times. Um, but addiction for us as a culture is a, such a common way to deal with this. And then on top of this in the church, I think this is true. As, as I was reading again, the, um, Pete Scazzaro's book that we're basing this on, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he talks about how we have little theology in the church for anger, sadness, waiting, and depression, that we, we struggle to have that as part of our culture and our habit, and our practice, and our community. We kind of want to get on and, and move things on and get things going in the right direction in the graph, i.e. up to the up and to the right. And suddenly grief comes along and we, we struggle, or challenge comes along, loss comes along, and we struggle to know how to deal with it. And I think this is true. I think this is true of myself when I was younger in particular, that we often associate anger and sadness and grieving with being unspiritual. I didn't know what to do with it. Nobody trained me how to deal with those emotions that are very real. And so then I, I over-spiritualized it, and I said, I kind of did the Apostle Paul, I can do all three things through Christ who strengthens me kind of approach. Just get through it, get over it, put it in your behind. Our challenge with grief and our relationship with it and loss is one that God, among his people, wants us to be the most free and deeply changed and transformed people through our experiences of loss and grief. He wants us to find emotional health and life in our story of loss and grief. For Emma and myself and our family, this story of loss and grief and understanding the limits of who we are has been very much true for us over our marriage. And Emma just had a sudden realize that she's been married to me for 25 years this year. And yesterday she just had, she came down and said, no, 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 you really don't need, I wasn't, we haven't, look, I'm, I'm wasting, you can't waste time. That wasn't my point. My point is she had this sudden moment, this shock realization, grief moment of saying, good grief, 25 years this year. That cannot be true. It's been amazing. It's gone so quick. Um, but our story of marriage, like many of yours, of marriage or singleness, is one where grief and loss kind of pops its head up all the way through in different ways. You know, as followers of Jesus, I want to make this so clear. 
Our life is not to be free from grief and loss. That is not... One day, yes. One day. But right now, no. Here and now, no. We face loss and grief like everybody else in life. Yet we get to face it with Jesus. And, and our story of the last 25 years, do not worry. I am not going to just... Um, I was thinking of donkey the whole time with this. You know when donkey's like, um, where do I begin? You know, and Shrek says to him, think of something sad. He's like, where do I begin? Um, and, but for us, loss and grief really has been a part of our life in different ways. Like it will have been for you in different ways. And so two years ago, if you're unaware, our eldest son, Sam, unexpectedly died. And so as a family, we've had to navigate that loss, that grief, that trauma as a family. That's shaped the last two years for us, massively so. We had to, before that, we had to live with the reality of Sam's multiple complex needs and disabilities in our family home for the 21 years that Sam was with us. That's a different kind of loss and grief. I'm, just, I'm aware that there are people here who are going through bereavement in family right now, who are going through loss and ill health and disability. And one of the things I've learned through those 21 years or 25 years, um, is that I know enough about having walked through some of these things to know that I don't necessarily, or I probably don't understand what you're experiencing. I know what I've been through, but I don't know what it's like for you and what you're going through. I know enough to know that I don't have the answers to all of those things. But I am aware that, that this has shaped my story and my perspective. But Emma and I, we had a different kind of loss. We, we, well, we had a gain and an addition to to our life. When we were 17, we were doing our A-levels, and then Sam comes along. So we have the gain of a baby, but we had the loss, the ending of our youth abruptly, as we had to suddenly grow up and become parents and get married and have a mortgage when all of our friends were going off to university. It's a different kind of loss that shaped us massively. And we've had to live through our story together with the limits of who we are as people. So we come into marriage really young and we don't have, we have a baby with disability and we don't know how to communicate. We just know we need to try and make this work somehow. And we have to work out how to do marriage as children, basically. Let's face it, we were kids. Our wedding pictures rarely come out. Um, <laughs> but we did not have the skills for marriage. And we kind of navigated and we bumbled our way through it for a long time. And we tried to talk and we tried to understand each other and we tried to love each other and we tried to help each other, but it was hard. And it was, it was a challenge the whole way through. But the story that we told ourselves was we'll keep going and we'll make this work somehow. Somehow, if we just work hard enough at this, if we just work hard enough at marriage, if we just work hard enough at serving Sam and the kids, if we just work hard enough at trying to sort out helping Sam as he grows up and gets older and the challenges of disability and how it doesn't get easier as you get older, it becomes more challenging. If we just work harder, we'll get through until you don't have the resource within yourself. Until you realize at a point that actually a lot of the emotion and the feeling that comes through through those 21 years of life, you kind of get to the point, you go, oh, I've kind of been hiding from myself and how I really feel about some of this. And as Al was talking about last week, we, a number of years back, we had a season in life about four, four or five years ago when we kind of hit the wall quite in a big time. We were stuck. 
life became incredibly difficult for a season. And that's a different type of loss and grief as we had to navigate that. And we had to acknowledge that we needed to do some work around marriage and communication and understanding. We had to do some work around how I coped with stress. I didn't think I, this is how embarrassing it is, I didn't even think I got stressed. That's how spiritual I was. I was like, I don't do stress. Um, it turns out I do do stress. I'm just very good at masking it and hiding it. And the choice in all of these things is whether these deaths and losses and griefs and the limits of our lives are terminal, crushing our spirit and life, which can so easily happen. Or do we allow God to use these things to open us up to new possibilities and depths of transformation in Christ? I had a friend, uh, have a friend, Brian, uh, who lives in America, and his son died, his older son um, died, Ian died unexpectedly about five and a half years ago now in a motorbike accident at a junction 500 meters down the road from their house. And I remember when I was with him one time, this was about uh, coming up to nine months, a year later, after Ian's death. And he said he, said he was with a friend. He'd been sat with a friend um, on a wall. Um, and he was just looking. This wall was kind of up high, and he was just looking down. And as he was with his friend, and his friend asked him how he's doing, he said, I realize it's a bit, I feel a bit like this. I'm sat on this wall. And I'm looking down at darkness. I'm looking down at, I need to engage with this in my emotions and how I feel, and I don't want to. As either Callum or Al said, when Jesus was in the garden, that sorrowful until death type sense, that kind of almost like a deep depression type dynamic. He said, I just feel like I'm sat on this wall looking down. Needing to engage. And I'm fearful of it. And he said that his friend just said, you want to trust Jesus with this? And Brian said he was so afraid that, the, that the, it would be like falling. It would be like a long fall into nothingness, into darkness, into loss. And he said, as his friend just said to him, do you want to trust Jesus with this? He, he knew his impulse reaction was, yes, I do want to trust Jesus with this. And he stepped metaphorically off the wall and into embracing his grief and loss over the death of Ian in particular. And there was something he said that just stuck with me and really served me as we lost Sam two years ago, and that was, he said, the fall wasn't as big as I thought it would be. It wasn't as frightening as I thought it would be. Actually, that decision to step into pain and grief and loss, I coped, I survived, I managed. And I remember as, I remember as um, a family, and as I was having to process Sam's death, I remember being really conscious that right now I have, a, I have a response that I can make in this moment over these coming days and weeks and months that you either, I either clam up because I am very good at not engaging with my emotions. I've become a master of it through my life, it turns out. And I can either shut that away or I can trust that Jesus invites me to do that and that this fall is actually not so big and frightening as it looks at. 
and that he's able to handle the things I can't. And I just found Brian's words kind of come for me over and over again through the last season of life. So how do we choose to allow grief and loss and our limits to open up us as people to depths and possibilities of transformation in Jesus rather than crush our spirit and our life? And this is a central discipleship issue for us. In fact, grief and loss is one of the most profound ways, I really believe this, that God grabs our attention, that he shapes who we are as people, that he transforms our lives, that he can bring fruit and life through those most traumatic of circumstances. It's a, it's a, grief and loss is a place that God enlarges who we are as people. I really do believe that. And Jesus modeled the real dynamic of this tension for us. And he, the writer to Hebrews puts it like this, son though he was, he learned from obedience. He learned obedience from what he suffered. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. That the things we go through, even for Jesus, shaped who he was as the Son of God, shaped his walk with the Father. In a moment, we'll reflect on Job in uh, just a tiny bit more. But if you look at the end of Job's journey as he suffered mightily loss and grief in his life, we see that Job is angry with God. He's angry with the circumstances that have befallen him, and he protests to God. But right now at the end of his journey, he says this in Job 42, I know, God, that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. I know, God, that you are really able to do all things. Nothing you want to do can be thwarted. God, I've, I've heard of you. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Through Job's story, his whole perspective on life and God and himself was changed. God's put a new song in his heart. What a great song to sing through a season of grief and loss. God, now my eyes have seen you. I've been to that place I didn't want to go to, but in that, now my eyes have seen you. What a great song to sing. And the Bible calls us and encourages us and provokes us and cajoles us to, to journey into grief and loss, to engage at the seat of our emotions, loss and pain that we experience. And it gives us some keys, and I'm aware of time, so I'm just going to skip through these. But the first is this, that we must acknowledge pain and loss and grief. I want to be really real. I used to struggle with this. I didn't know what to do with my feelings. I, I, I'm learning. Um, it's not easy, but I'm learning, and I'm learning to recognize feelings. And some of you may laugh at that, but it's true. It's been one of those things that I, I've kind of just tried to push them aside. I remember as a youngster saying, feelings don't matter. They, they just kind of get in the way, I, both verbally out loud and also in here and in here, thinking they're not important. I remember just pushing them to the side. And I, I just want to share this story. I just 
Um, this is how damaging it can be if we don't engage with our emotions and pain and grief. So a number of years back, Emma and I had a number of miscarriages um, in life. And I remember just not knowing what to do with it. I didn't want to go there. I didn't even know how to go there. I just had no capacity in life, no space in my emotional world to go and sit and say, how do I even feel about this? And so I remember at times just shutting myself down from it, kind of thinking it happened. And, and sure, people respond to these things differently. Yeah, that's fine. And I probably would respond very differently to Emma in that. And that's okay. That's not a problem. But in my shutting down myself, the other thing I didn't do was have capacity to serve Emma in her grief. I didn't have emotional energy, wherewithal, intelligence, whatever you want to call it, to say, actually, Emma was deeply grieving. Deeply grieving loss. And I didn't, I didn't serve her. And she could probably tell you some phrases that have stuck that I said to her all those years back, and they've stuck with her. As I would have said things like, kind of, get over it. Don't lose control. And so my lack of emotional capacity, my lack of honesty with myself and with God and with others about how I was doing and even willingness to go there meant that it impacted on those around me deeply. And so the first key is that we've, we've got to acknowledge pain and grief. And we see this all through the Bible, in the life of David, in the, in the Psalms, of Job, of Jeremiah, in, in the book of Lamentations. We've got an entire book in the Old Testament that is taking us to this very place we often don't want to go as people. Ezekiel lamented. Daniel grieved. Jesus wept over Lazarus and cried out in grief over Jerusalem. Biblical grieving calls us to pour out our feelings and our losses to God. It's totally different from what I used to tell myself the story of. You say, no, come to God. Acknowledge your feelings before him. Share your heart. We, we actually are, have an incapacity to navigate these things on our own. We, we, get, we tie ourselves up in knots. We lose ourselves in these places. As I said earlier, we think anger is a sin. And so Job, as you know his story, 10 children suddenly die in a natural disaster. He loses all his wealth. He loses his health and becomes physically unrecognizable. And Job gets to the point where he screams out his pain, holds nothing back. And this is what I was unable to do, but here we see what it looks like. Job says this to God. He says, may the day of my birth perish. And the night that said a boy is conceived, that day may it be turned to darkness. May God above not care about it, and may no light shine on it. Job doesn't just resign himself to acceptance. He doesn't simply hide away from it. He doesn't numb it. He demands that God provides an explanation for losing everything in one day. Job, Job 31. Oh, that I had one to hear me, he cries out. Behold, let the mighty answer me. 
Eugene Peterson commenting on this. He says, Job is not just a witness to the dignity of suffering in God's presence, but, a, but he protests against a religion that has reduced suffering to explanations and answers. He's protesting, saying it's not just about answers. It's not just about explanations. I, I think in our culture, in the West here, we're not particularly great at grief and lamenting. And, we, you know, we, we go to funerals. I'm just have my nan's funeral in my, in my mind and went there and it was nice. Ooh, what a word. And I loved my nan. And I was sad. But I didn't ever really ask myself, how do I even feel about this? But what I've discovered is that wave, uh, grief comes in waves. Has had to really look at grief and embrace it through Sam's death. That grief comes with waves. It comes for a season. And sometimes it feels overwhelming. And then it recedes and diminishes. And then it comes again in another season. And then it goes. And then it comes. And it goes. And our grief is going to be expressed differently. I recognize that. It's not that we all have to grieve the same. But, but there's something about grief that is to come with tears and crying and through groaning and journaling. And I want to be honest, my challenge over these last two years with the um, impact of Sam's death and the journey of grief is that I've had to learn to recognize when those waves are coming and not trying to shut them out. I, I, that's a danger for me, it's just to shut them out, say, now's not a good time. And I've had to learn and teach myself and train myself to say, I, I'll, I welcome you. And that's not easy. So we're to, we're to acknowledge our grief. The psalmist puts it like this, when I keep silent, my bones waste away through groaning all day long. Actually, if we don't acknowledge our grief, there's a diminishing of who we are. Our very person diminishes as we hide from it. And so if that's you today, there may be times when you're grief, grieving, and that might be today, it may have been in the past, and it can feel like it's going to be forever. But the reality is it won't be forever. We can carry grief with us all through life. It doesn't necessarily go, but we learn to live with it. We learn to sit with it as we navigate life. The second key for us, so the first is we acknowledge it. The second is that precisely that we sit with it. We sit in the silence, the confusion, the, as it's been called, the in-between. We experience silence, crying out to God and getting nothing back in these moments. Jesus, why are you asleep in the storm? Job put it like this, I shout for God and I get nothing, no answer. I stand to face you in protest, but you give me a blank stare. God, what's going on? Answer me. And as you know, the scriptures are full of silence and waiting. As Callum reminded us uh, a few weeks back that God was in the thin silence with Elijah. And in that place of silence and waiting, having to sit in grief, not rush on, 
God is at work. He is. Silence doesn't mean God isn't doing anything. God is at work. And one of the things that God, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, one of the things that God wants us to experience in this time of silence is the Saturday of Easter. Easter. Is Easter Saturday? That day of silence. When everything was lost, everything wasted, everything pointless. No one had a clue. They'd been told, but no one had a clue what was going to happen on the next day. And Jesus invites us to sit with him in these seasons of grief, like Easter Saturday. They're hard places to be. Learning to sit there for as long as it takes. It's not comfortable. We're often not wired for it or skilled for it. We know this because we also struggle to sit with other people who were there. Find incredibly difficult. But here's the thing. In that time of waiting, in that period of darkness and silence, we discover that the Christian story is, in fact, true. The Christian story of life comes through death is a true story. And it's true in that it shapes our whole lives. It shapes our grief. It shapes our experiences. It shapes our losses in life that in God, life comes through death. And in silence and waiting, we discover that those wounded places in our hearts, those places of deep personal grief in our soul, are in fact the hiding place that God is in our life. They're the place that we, in fact, encounter God. So we're often afraid to go there. But it's the very place that God says, no, I want to encounter you there. I'm here, and I've got you, and I'm with you, and in this place, you will meet me And so we see this right at the beginning of Genesis, the first chapter, in the Spirit of God hovered over the darkness and the unformed chaos of the world. And at the right time, God said, let there be. And when you're in that place of grief, it's just like that. You're sat in the chaos, in the darkness, in the unformed nature of it. But the Spirit of God is there brooding, hovering over you. And at just the right time, God will say, let there be light and life and color and love reframing, resetting, drawing you into the person of God in the midst of your grief. We can't see it in the moment, but it's what God's doing. And I I just want to say to you, that's been my story, and I think it's true, I can say that for Emma and the kids, and that these last two years, that life has come through loss. Life has come through death of Sam. That it's changed our conversation. It's changed our perspective. It's changed the things we're doing in life. And that it's not, it's not easy. It doesn't mean you don't think about Sam. It doesn't mean you don't grieve for him still. But that there is life in God beyond death. And that we can actually love life and enjoy life and enjoy one another and enjoy Sam and have the freedom to talk about him and laugh about him and all of those things that are just good and healthy parts of life. So if this is where you are right now, it's a tough place to be. I know that. But God is at work. And finally, and I'll finish with this. That life comes from it, just as I said. That through our pain and grief and loss, as we, um, as we engage with our emotions in that place, that life springs from it as we learn to reorientate our hearts outward 
from that place of grief. As I said, our losses are very real. And when we grieve, we're changed forever. And as I said, pain and grief, can, they can, it can stunt us or it can liberate us to life. The amazing thing about embracing grief and loss is, and this is my experience, is it really does expand our hearts to love others. In 2 Corinthians, the apostle Paul wrote this. He said, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who comforts us all in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. That actually through our embracing our troubles, our grief, our pain, our sorrow, our loss, that as we've experienced the comfort of God, we get to comfort others from that place. And it's why so many people, when you go through a season of loss and grief in life, you come out with this question, this real kind of question in your heart, in your mind, in your very person, is how can I love others? How can I love others? It's the work of Christ in you. As you navigate these seasons, it's, it's, it's saying, I've encountered God's kindness. I know, I know, I know, I know that as Sam, when Sam was dying, I know that there were many people praying for us. Not lots of people. It was COVID, which suited us quite well. We can shut the doors and hide away. Um, so there wasn't lots of people giving us lots of advice and telling us why and all of those things. But I know that there were lots of people praying for us. I felt it. I knew it in my spirit that we were being carried by prayer and by the presence and comfort of God through that season when we didn't know what to do and we couldn't do anything about it. And you feel powerless and you go through all of those things. This isn't true. Yes, one day he'll come back. Yes, one day, one day. All of those kinds of things. But I know that I experienced the kindness and comfort of God in that season of life. Holding us carrying us personally, as us as a family. And God uses our grief at that level. He calls us to understand that's what he's doing. He's comforting us in our grief. He's comforting us in our loss and pain. And he invites us through that process as we encounter him in the silence, in the waiting, as we acknowledge our real need and say, God, why? Why did you let this happen? Why has it happened? I don't understand it, but God, no, I'm going to trust you in this moment. As we go to that place and trust God, our heart gets transformed as we encounter his love. And we say, God, I want to comfort others with the comfort that you've shown me. And through embracing loss and grief, God uses that as a process to enlarge our heart. So as we close, we were never made to taste loss and grief. It was, never, it was never God's design. It wasn't his plan. That wasn't what we we're made for. So it's no wonder we get stuck right out the gate on this one. It's, a, it's an invader. Jesus, when he, when he wept over the death of Lazarus, he, he howls into loss and into death itself. He's, he's saying, no, this is not what's meant to have been. Death is not welcome. It's an intrusion. We're made to walk with God in his garden. And this is the joy. This is so, so 
For those who are followers of Jesus, here's the joy when it comes to embracing grief and loss. This isn't just a get better program. The point is this, we were never made to walk through those things. But walk through them, we need to. But for those who are followers of Jesus, the reality is you get to walk with Jesus through those seasons in life. And for some of you in this room, there will be things, traumas, situations, loss, grievances, all dotted through your past. And for some of you, you would have done a great job like me of shutting them away, hiding them away. But here's the good news. Jesus wants to go to those places with you. He wants to grab hold of you and say, come on, I want to go and sit there with you. I want to go and look at those places with you. I want to bring healing to you in those places. Those things that have shaped you, those losses, those grievances that you've lived with. I want to look at them. And like Brian, my friend, who was sat on that wall, some of us here today, I want to encourage you as we go forward. It's not just, that's nice. It's to make a decision in the world to say, I'm going to trust God with grief and loss in this season of life. And maybe for some of you, it's a decision to say, I'm going to begin to do that. And so we have a, a tool we want to use this week as a next step, which is a grief chart, which is really just to look at different seasons of life it's very simple. And then just to write down instances of grief and loss that happened in that season of life and just to sit with it and to be with it and to ask yourself a question of how has that shaped me? How did I respond? How did my family respond in that instance? And allow it just to speak back to you of how you respond to grief and loss. Can I just invite you to Stand, we're going to finish, and I'm going to want to pray for us. I don't want to just leave us without turning our hearts right now and our spirit to Jesus in this moment. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, you fully understand who we are. You know us fully. You know how we work. And I thank you that you have experienced and tasted, oh God, grief and loss yourself. That you understand. And I want to pray for my brothers and sisters right now this morning, Lord, for for those who are in the valley of the shadow of death. Or for those whom the valley of the shadow of death has marked in a deep way and has led not to life and growth and freedom in God, but to being locked up. I want to pray may healing come in these days. God, come by your spirit, healer of our wounded souls. Come by your spirit, mender of broken hearts. Come by your spirit, lifter of our heads. Come by your spirit, oh God, of grace and goodness and kindness and patience. And bless our our inner person today, I pray. I pray by your spirit you would give us confidence to sit with you in those hard places. Lord, for those who have been hiding in this room from the emotion of grief and loss, I'm just looking across the room, I know there is a lot in this room of loss and grief in different ways. But for those who are hiding from it, I pray God your grace now to sit with it, to be with it, not in isolation, but to encounter you in those places. Lord, make us honest with ourselves and with you. Lord, put alongside us friends that we can be honest with. 
Lord, we pray, lift our head in these days, Lord, that we would know that we have Christ with us, the hope of glory, that Jesus, you said, I will never leave or forsake you. And that that goes to the darkest moments and the hardest places. It is true because you're a God of faithfulness. And so we bless you today, oh God. Lord, bless our being, we pray. Comfort us today. Lord, help us to comfort those who grieve and mourn. And Lord, we recognize that there is a a world out there of men and women who don't know you, who sit with their grief and loss and so often don't encounter the God of grace and kindness and hope. And so we pray, Lord, through our experiences, Lord, would you use those that we may comfort others into your presence, into your goodness. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.